With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a special podcast presentation from 700WLW.com. This is Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew on demand. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. How about that? Not only new music, but a sponsor. We have a sponsor. Mercy Health, welcome on in. Good to have you with us. Sunday Morning Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. Now, again, as you'll probably hear odd infinitum today, did you set your clocks ahead last night? Because if you didn't, aha, it is 9.07 right now, not 8.07. So I'm just saying, let me be the first to tell you that it's 9.07. By the way, this whole concept of, of daylight saving time, Things, I, I mean, I understand what the basis of daylight saving time is, right? I, I get it. I understand it. It's the, it goes back to the years when the United States was basically an agrarian state. And you could stay in the fields longer and collect your wheat or harvest whatever you're harvesting or feed the pigs one more time. I, mean, I get all of that. But do we really need it now? Do we really need daylight saving time now? I mean, what... What do we really have? What do we really have from daylight saving time that we get out of it? I mean, you get out of work, I guess, maybe at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and it stays light till 8, 9 o'clock. And I guess that's good. If you play golf, you can play a little bit later. You want to take the kids or the dog to the park, you can take it a little bit later. But is it really worth it? Screwing your body clock up twice. Is it really worth it screwing your body clock up twice a year? Because you know how this will be a zombie-like day for you today. I mean, it's nice out, but it's cold out. You're probably going to stay inside just because it's, you know, it's cold and you're inside and you're not sure what time it is. I suppose today is better than in the fall when we fall back. And even though we get an extra hour of sleep, it's dark by 5 o'clock. And you're saying, where did the sunlight go? But I... I just don't know if our country in 2017 really needs daylight saving time. I mean, really? Do we really need that? Who is that benefiting? Please, somebody tell me. Welcome to the show. Now, look, I got a lot I got to get to today. And I have a, a show that I'm really, really excited about. It's an eclectic blend, but as you know, on Sunday mornings, these tend to be that way. And there are a lot of topics I want to get to. The NCAA tournament, obviously, is going to take center stage. Today is Selection Sunday. Today at 6.30, I think that's when the Selection Show is. I don't know. We don't, we don't carry it in, on 9 on your side. I think it's 
Today, uh, we will find out where all of these teams are going in the NCAA tournament. The feel-good story is NKU. The problem with NKU is it looks like they're headed for a first-round matchup against Kentucky. And while that might be a great challenge and there might be great chess beating and there might be that bring-it-on mentality, Kentucky looks pretty damn good. I think if you're an NKU fan, you're hoping, you're praying, you're scheming, you're thinking of any way you can get your team out of that 15 seed to a 14 seed. Good Lord, if Winthrop is a 14 seed, NKU ought to be a 14 seed. And that way you get out of having to get steamrolled. So that's one of the things we're talking about today. Xavier's in. I know Lenardi still had them uh, as a real low seed. I think he had them as an 11 seed, but he got them out of that 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 uh, that dreaded play-in. I think he got them out of that. Um, Jerry Palm at CBS had had Xavier as a bubble team, but still in the field and not a play-in team. So I, Xavier, I think, is fine. I think that win over Butler the other night erased all doubt. And UC, I think, is a product of what happens today. I think they could be a four. Most probably there's a five. And in the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? Because if you're a four and you're a five, you have genuinely or generally easy first-round matches, and then you wind up playing each other. So it's kind of like I'm not sure what the difference is between four and five. But we find out all of that later on today. Coming up at 9.35, Shelby Mast. From USA Today, he is their bracketology guy. He was on with me last week. I love what he had to say. So he's coming on for his final look at what this bracket may look like. 10.30 today, Frank Jesse, the old coach, is going to join me. We're going to talk about more of the same things. We've got those things lined up kind of about an hour apart from each other. The other thing I'm going to have uh, today with regards to basketball. There was a time in basketball back in the 60s when there were great scandals, there were point-shaving scandals in college basketball, and a lot of people went to jail and a lot of people got in trouble. And then basketball kind of cleaned its act up, college basketball, and things were percolating right along until the mid-1990s. And along came a guy named Joe Gagliano, worked for the Chicago Board of Trade, Uh, running a few little side deals as he traded stocks and bonds up in Chicago. And his brother went to college at Arizona State. And the brother befriended a basketball player. who uh, I'm sorry, a football player who was in great need of money. He had gambled on football games and he had lost and he was trying to figure out a way to win some money back. And so this football player, who befriended the brother of Joe Gagliano at Arizona State University, this football player asked Gagliano's brother if he knew of any way that he could make some of that loss up in football season, betting on basketball games. The player, by the way, was named Headache Smith, Stephen Headache Smith. And the brother in Arizona got a hold of his brother on the Chicago Board of Trade and within weeks was hatched a scheme where Headache Smith and another player on that Arizona State team would shave points so that the brother at the Chicago Board of Trade could manipulate the houses in Vegas to win dollars, big dollars, millions of dollars. And he got away with it for a couple of years. 
and then the feds came. And the rest became one of the more intriguing and colorful stories of how easy it is to shave points in college basketball and how prevalent it might have been back in the 90s. Gagliano went to prison twice, but his second tour of duty, his second stint as a guest of the state, wound up with a book called No Gray Areas, the inside story of the largest point-shaving scandal in the history and the consequences thereafter. Joe Gagliano is going to join me in the 11 o'clock hour to talk about how he fixed these college basketball games, how easy it is, and could it be going on right now and we don't even know it as we begin Selection Sunday. And also along the way, um, you know my affinity for music. You know how I try to blend it here on this show and try to uh, weave its way in through the landscape with sports. I'm going to be joined by a guy whose instrument of choice is the banjo. Whose instrument of choice is the banjo and who is so good at his instrument of choice. He's not won just one or two or three awards. He's won many, including one from one of the better pickers in the United States a comedian by the name of Steve Martin. Noan Pichelde is going to join me. He's in concert later on this week here in Cincinnati to talk about his brand of music, which is bluegrass music, how he came to it, and also why it's becoming so popular in the United States again. We're going to get into a good discussion about that on the 10 o'clock hour. So we got all of that coming up, and also, you know, you know it's coming up. You're Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to get in in the 11 o'clock hour really and truly where this franchise is right now because what they're doing is cleaning house. And unfortunately, the guys going out the door are the character guys, the locker room guys, the guys that really and truly kept that locker room together. You remember in 2011, the Bengals eliminated the characters in the locker room. The Ocho Cinco's and the Sam Adams and the Terrell Owens and all the guys that they had there that really and truly were me, 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 and hey, look at me, and had side deals going on. They eliminated the characters, the Jerome Simpsons of the world, and they replaced them with character. And now all of a sudden, a lot of that character is leaving under the guise of being overpriced, under the guise of being too old. And the residual effect of that, I think, is going to have a really big impact on this team this year, and not in a good sense. What's going on with the Bengals? And is it all money-driven? And now are we tumbling back to the bad old days? It was compounded yesterday with the arrival of one Joe Mixon. Yeah, the Joe Mixon from the University of Oklahoma who happened to punch an Oklahoma University co-ed caught on surveillance tape. He's saying all the right things now. He's doing the mea culpas now because now, the cynic in me would say, it's time to get paid. And a lot of teams are shying away from this guy, but not the Bengals. They've been sniffing around him the last couple of weeks. They went to his pro workout day where apparently he did very well. And they had him in for a visit yesterday. The Bengals are sniffing around this guy. Why, I don't know, just from a football standpoint. 
I don't give a rat's rear end whether he's any good or not. They have glaring needs in the wake of what's happened to them this week in free agency and glaring needs even before that process began. So to look at a running back at this point, to me, seems a little disingenuous. And to look at that running back right now seems to me to be leading to a bridge back to the past. I just don't think they need it. Maybe it's just due diligence. Every NFL team goes through it. Maybe it's just to create an air of smoke. Every NFL team does it during the draft process. But I just don't think they have the room on their resume to be tinkering with things like that. Other teams might that didn't have the problems the Bengals had back in the mid-2000s. This team doesn't quite have that. It doesn't have that space on its canvas. I just wonder why they're doing it, because they don't need to. they got other things they've got to address. So all of that is grist for the mill between now and noon. That's when you got me. That's when you got this little thing called Sunday Morning Sports Talk. You, sitting there perhaps in a daze, wondering what time of the day it is, trying to figure out why the United States still has daylight saving time. One- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at u.s border patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Wondering how it impacts you today, and can you get through another day off, a precious day off, without wandering through the next 12 to 18 hours in some zombie-like state, knowing full well that sleep will not come easy tonight. You'll be taking that Ambien. You'll be drinking that wine. You'll be looking for that cocktail that will send you off into the good night. My job is to keep you awake, informed, and entertained, and I try my best, but I'm not Mae West. But I exist here every Sunday on News Radio 700 WLW. News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to the big show. Big day coming up tomorrow. The great Neil Sedaka will celebrate his 78th birthday. This was one of his number one hits. Wrote it with a dude named Phil Cody. Phil Cody. Not to be confused with, there's a musician from Cincinnati named uh, Phil Cody. This Phil Cody was kind of like a... I don't know, kind of like, uh, they used to call them hipsters back in the day. Anyway, it was a Greenwich Village guy that somehow, some way, hooked up with uh, Neil Sedaka. And Sedaka called him in and played uh, this, this piece of music that he had without lyrics. They were visiting at Sedaka's place up in the Catskills, and uh, Cody listened to it, 
had absolutely no take on the music. Walked outside, went out to a field that was near Sadakis' house, lit up a joint, sat there, watched a bunch of wildlife run back and forth. Claims he fell asleep or passed out. And then uh, woke up and he said he wrote the lyrics to this song in five minutes. So you got Sadaka, this music genius, and this, like, guy from the village, this hippie from the village, blowing dope, falling asleep, and in five minutes he writes the lyrics to this song. Which turned out to be a great song. Great sax solo coming up here by a guy named Jim Horn, who performed with a lot of big acts. He played the sax, the trombone, the flute. This is this is Jim Horn on sax. This guy played the flute on Going Up Country by Can Heat. He's playing the sax solo in this Neil Sedaka song. He also played the flute on Strangers in the Night by uh, Frank Sinatra. I don't know why I know this stuff. Don't look at me that way. Watch a lot of late night TV. Neil Sedaka sold about 50 million records in a five-year span between 1958, 1963, and 78 years ago tomorrow. In Brooklyn, by God, New York, Neil Sedaka came upon this earth. I wish I could remember where I parked my car. Sunny, high near 39 today. Tonight, cloudy, low around 25. Rain's going to move in after 4 o'clock tomorrow. Cloudy, high near 44. There's a chance of snow on Tuesday, mainly before 7 a.m. So watch out for the commute on Tuesday. 22 and clear right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station News Radio 700 WLW. In a moment, Shelby Mast, Chief Bracket Prognosticator for USA Today. Let's flog the phones. Jeff is in Kettering on this cold winter morning. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, by the way, I saw uh, Neil Kazaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him at Delco Park, and uh, nice fella. I mean, he went to Juilliard. And, yes, he did. Yeah, and he uh, he's the one that told me that, you know, his about that, that guy that played the sax, you know? Yeah, Jim Horn. Was, yeah, was he as good as Bobby Keys? Though? No. <laughs> Okay. No, not all at all. Right. No, all, right. all right, well, here we go. Um, a few things. You know, UD's in the uh, tournament. Unfortunately, they <laughs> lost two the last two, and then everybody's worried about Xavier, and they ended up winning four in a row or something like that. Yeah. So I guess they're in for sure, I guess, now. so Dayton's a nine, I think, the last I saw, an eight or a nine. Depends yeah. on who you look at, yeah. Okay, well, the only last thing I got is about the, the Bengals. I mean, I hate to lose those two linemen because – Somebody told me a long time ago the offensive linemen are the are the brainy guys, the big brainy guys next to the quarterback. And why does it take them so long to develop? And and then what I'm leading into is my God, if you lose two, you know, two uh, thirds of your offensive line, man, you're going to have some problems. Well, you're losing two guys, and Jeff, thanks for the call. The two guys you're losing are two guys that combined last year. Gave up a grand total of one sack. Combined. One sack. It's not my opinion. It's not me watching football games. This is from profootballfocus.com, which is the definitive website for all things stats in football. Zeitler and Whitworth. One sack combined on a team that gave up 41 sacks. Leadership aside, look at this skill. 
You know the problem with the Bengals last year losing Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu? It wasn't necessarily losing them. It was not having comparable talent replace them. And this is the same thing with Seitler and Whitworth. Someday, maybe, Jake Fisher will be a great tackle. Someday, maybe, Andrew Whitworth will be a great tackle. But they ain't great on this day. When we come back, your bracket, maybe mine, maybe your friend Fred's bracket. We're going to talk about the selection committee's decision coming up now in less than nine hours. Next on 700 News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Coming up on 935 on this Sunday morning. Good morning. Yes, I said 935. You know, supposed to spring ahead last night. Selection show coming up, uh, I believe it begins at 5.30 later on this afternoon on the CBS television network. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of interest nationwide as to where teams go. Where's your team going? You're going to book a, a, a flight? You're going to book a hotel room? Where, where's everybody going? Somebody that has an in, really a great insight on this. We had Shelby Mast on with us last week, and he was terrific. And I've asked Shelby to come on for a few minutes today just Kind of like a, a final thought on all of this. And on a very busy day for him, he's very kind to give us some time. Uh, Shelby, welcome back to 700 WLW. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at your latest. Uh, and by the way, it's bracketwag.com. Shelby consults uh, USA Today, uh, I believe the Indianapolis Star, um, and uh, collegeinsider.com. Uh, Shelby, I'm looking at your, your seeds right now. Now you've got UC Cincinnati as a six seed. What what happened to them? I think you had them a five last week. I did, and it's nothing that they've done wrong, but other teams that were kind of around them have won against better competition compared to what Cincinnati's played this week, so they just passed them up, and somebody had to fall, and it was them. So they were a victim, a victim really, of the conference they play in, which is what they were all year. There were just really two decent teams in that conference. It was SMU and Cincinnati. So they're, they're a victim of just a bad year in the AAC. Yeah, I think so. That's, uh, there's a lot of teams that are outside the top 100 of the RPI, so winning against them really doesn't help you at all. So you've and got one other team. Go ahead. I was going to say you got UC as a six, and then you 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 hedge it just a little bit as to whom they may wind up playing. It you're saying it it could be Providence, it could be Southern Cal. Why why the hedge there for the uh, possible opponent? Well, that's the playing game. Okay, so that's the, 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 that, yeah, I mean, Prov- you, that's my playing game. One of my two playing games for at larges is Providence USC. The other one is Rhode Island versus Kansas State. Okay, so that's a product of what happens in Dayton Tuesday or Wednesday night. Correct. Right. And you have that playing, you have the Cincinnati game playing out in Tulsa. Yes. Which is kind of an interesting venue for them because that's a that's someplace they've already played this year, but I guess the NCAA, there's just so many teams you can't be you can't be caught up in that, right? No, yeah, the rule if you've played in a building five times in a year, then you can't go back and play there in a in a pod yeah. uh, game. 
Uh, and so that you know, one time that, that, that not, doesn't affect anything. All right. So you see as a as a six seed, and if they win, I think you've got them as, with a Baylor New Mexico State matchup in in the round of thirty two. We're in sets right now, yes. Okay. Now, here's where it really gets exciting, uh, Shelby, if you're on this, if you're dead on, because you've got in Indianapolis, Xavier, Northern Kentucky, and UK all playing about 90 minutes up the road in Indianapolis. You have Xavier as an 11 in a matchup with Wisconsin. You have UK playing NKU in a matchup as well. Let's talk about that. I. I, I, the NCAA wants that, right? They want as many fans as they can to go to these games. So geographically, it would, it would make sense, would it not, to try and get three teams that are within a, a two-hour drive up there, correct? Well, it does, but the, the, the geography thing is since they went to this pod system uh, and got rid of the S-curve, mm-hmm. uh, the pod system is done uh, to help get fans from local schools in uh, and to ease travel on the teams as well, because used to you might have uh, Duke or Carolina if they were the fifth seed going out west, um, and now they do it where they try to keep them as close to home as they possibly can. What do you think the odds of that are, though? I mean, I mean, you've been at this a, a while. What do you think the odds of Xavier, NKU, and UK all winding up up in Indianapolis? I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's all right. I, the Kentucky Northern Kentucky game. I think. Uh, I'll be surprised, actually, if that one doesn't happen. Xavier's in a spot where they're kind of near the bottom of the bubble, so they could you know, they could be anywhere from a 9 to a 12 seed. Uh, I, I'm happy with them as an 11, and it just so happened that it worked out that the, the Louisville uh, pod uh, fit for them. Let's. Uh, uh, we're chatting with Shelby Mast, uh, who is the uh, with BracketWag.com, and he's the guy at USA Today. Um Xavier at an 11, is there anything, in your opinion, that could drop that seed or put Xavier back into a play-in situation? Is there anything that could happen today that could affect Xavier? As far as my bracket goes, no. There's one team that I've got in a play-in game, Rhode Island. If they win the A-10 tournament, then they get out of that play-in game because the play-in at that level for the at-large team. So they would be an automatic qualifier. They would move up. And for me, Wake Forest would slide into that. Uh, Xavier's probably going to stay right where they are. Okay, so they're set. Is there any way in your in your mind or in your bracket that Northern Kentucky can get out of that 15 seed and not have to face Kentucky? Because you know what that is. That, 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 that's yeah. kind of an awful task for a team, uh, even a team playing as well as Northern Kentucky. Any way they could grab a 14 seed and avoid having to do that? Well, there's a possibility. Um, it's uh, it, the Yale Princeton game could affect that. If Yale Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Beats Princeton, they would uh, take Princeton's spot, but not necessarily their seed line. Mm. And I haven't figured out all the math on it yet, but if they fall down to where they're uh, in that 15 line, Northern Kentucky, for me, is my top 15 seed, so they would move up to a 14, and Yale would slide in there. Uh, That's probably the only scenario where that happens. So other 14 seeds that you have, for example, Iona, and I think Texas Southern is another 14 seed that you have. They're fairly well set at 14. You don't anticipate any any kind of volatility with them? No, their their games are done. They can't help or hurt themselves, and there's not enough games – uh, that could affect them. The Princeton-Yale game is about it. Uh, there's one other for the lower-seeded teams, Troy versus Texas State, but I think the winner of that game will be a 16 seed. You have Dayton, and, and we're, our coverage area booms into Dayton. You have Dayton as an 8-9 with uh, Virginia Tech, and you have that playing out in Buffalo. I think I think eight's about as good as Dayton's going to get. I, I don't I couldn't. I could see them maybe fall back to a nine, but I think when this comes out tonight, Shelby, Dayton's either an eight or a nine, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with them there. They've had a nice season, but again, they're a product of their conference. Um, There's just not enough meat to be put on that schedule in the conference they're in, uh, and that's not to knock on uh, VCU or Rhode Island or Davidson or Richmond, some of those other teams, but they just didn't they didn't stack up like other conferences do. If Cincinnati beats SMU later on this afternoon for the conference tournament championship. Could they jump up uh, uh, to a five seed? It's possible, but for me right now, Minnesota is my last five seed, and Minnesota has a significantly better profile than Cincinnati. So it would come down to, you know, that's one more top 50 win for Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. which gives them four, but Minnesota's got seven. And the committee past few years has liked those bigger numbers. Yeah, that is a big number for any school, is it not? I mean, six wins against uh, top 50 RPI teams, that, that's just a big, big number, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That, that gets you seated higher. All right, so Cincinnati, um, boy, I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a heck of a difference between, uh, you know, a five and a six. Uh, but yeah, there is. I mean, there, you, yeah. I mean, you're, you could be facing a three in round two as opposed to a four if you're a five seed. I mean, it just it's it really is. That's a significant drop for Cincinnati. I I, I hope that doesn't happen to them. But man, I would much rather play a four or, for example, a five like Iowa State, whom they've already played this year, than to have to go up against Baylor. Baylor looks really good and looks like it could be a really uh, it could be a player it could it could be a team that could, could play deep into march that'd be a horrible matchup if that happens wouldn't it uh, probably so but baylor has kind of tapered off as the season has wore on mm. so they might catch them up you know kansas state caught baylor a couple of days ago so uh Cincinnati's a good team no doubt about that uh, i wish they had more uh, meat on their schedule i could move them up but I just looking at what committee's done over the past few years. I just I, I'm fairly confident they're going to be six. They could be five, but I'm I'm set with six for now. All right, Shelby, Shelby Mast. I guess after today you can like sleep again, right? I'm gonna try. All right, thank you, Shelby. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's their guy at USA Today. This is what he's got. Again, let's go over this. He has Cincinnati. As a six seed, playing either Providence or Southern Cal. That's a play-in game. 
That game, in his opinion, plays out in Tulsa, the winner to get the winner of the Baylor-New Mexico State game. Basically, if you win, if you beat Providence or Southern Cal, you get Baylor in Tulsa. Mast also has Xavier, Kentucky, and Northern Kentucky all going to Indianapolis. He has Xavier, an 11 seed, playing Wisconsin. Um, that would be an interesting matchup. I'm not sure Xavier doesn't win that game, playing the way they're playing right now. He also has NKU playing Kentucky. Now, there's a, there, there are several of these brackets that have NKU playing Kentucky. And as much as the, the state of Kentucky would love to see that, as much as the Norse would say, bring on the challenge, I'm telling you, if you're rooting for Northern Kentucky, you're rooting for somehow, some way to get out of that 15 seed. That could not, that might not be a pretty picture. I mean, even though Kentucky is not at the top of its game right now, and it's in some of these games and struggling, and even though they have a young backcourt that can be unpredictable, I'm not sure that if you're NKU and you have visions of maybe a full weekend somewhere, you really want to see that game. Shelby Mast, USA Today, you can check them out. More on this coming up. Down the road, point shaving in college basketball. It's happened before. Could it happen again? I got a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy that says yes, and it might be happening right now. And also, to bring us all back to a sweeter place on this first day of daylight saving time, to have us understand more about what we are and what we can be culturally. I've got a guy that's going to appear later on this week in concert. Appeared with a great group of pickers and singers called the Punch Brothers. And someone that right now is redefining bluegrass music as we speak. Noam Pekilny will join me after the news at the top of the hour. And a lot more football and basketball talk as we cruise on till noon. On the home of your Cincinnati Reds. Lord, let's not forget them as they play later on today. On the big one. 700, and not just any 700. News Radio 700, WLW. 700, WLW. Welcome back to the show. By the way, Joe Lenardi at ESPN. And have we ever seen Joe Lenardi in the month of June? Anybody ever see him? He has Kentucky playing Kent State. Or maybe it's just Kent now. One old schooler. That's in Indianapolis, according to Lenardi. This is where it gets interesting. Lenardi has Xavier as an 11, playing six-seed Wisconsin in Sacramento. Also in Sacramento, three-seed UCLA playing 14-seed NKU. And if Xavier and NKU were to win, they would meet each other in the round of 32. Uh, Lenardi has UC as a five playing Vermont in Buffalo, and if it beat Vermont, it would probably play Bob Huggins in West Virginia in round two. So that's where all that stuff is. Seven four nine seven thousand one eight hundred. The big one, pound seven hundred on AT and T. More NCAA talk coming up in a little bit. We'll also get into what the Bengals did and did not do this week. We'll talk a little bit about how it is that college basketball may not be on the up and up. And we'll also get a little culture along the way. Joining me next, 
one of the great musicians of our time, Noam Pekilny. If you don't know the name, you should, and you will. Next on News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. I kind of like the new music. The old, the old stuff was good. I like that. But, you know, it... I will I will have done this show for 10 years, beginning, uh, I think, the week of May the 14th would be my 10-year anniversary hosting the show. We had the same music. Every once in a while, you got to, like, mix it up. I thought that's good. And it's sponsored, for crying out loud, which means I may be here for a while longer. 10.07, welcome back. Yes, 10.07, this is Daylight Saving Time. And if you didn't push your clocks ahead, well, where the hell you been? You missed an hour. 10.07 here on uh, News Radio 700 WLW. We're talking uh, the uh, NCAA tournament. The selection show begins at 5.30 tonight. Also talking Bengals and their uh, seemingly bad week. Just got worse. I mean, Rex Burkhead may be on his way out. And uh, we'll get into uh, a few other twists and turns with uh, baseball along the way. But, you know, I'm... I'm someone that I think is somewhat culturally refined, although it may not be, you know, the upper crust part of culture. I I appreciate things. I like to read. I like music. I like all genres of music, not just rock and roll, not just pop, not just country. I like things that really and truly define who we are. And a a genre of music that defines what America is all about is bluegrass music. Now, I, I had Ricky Skaggs on with me, I want to say about six, seven months ago, and we were talking about this genre of music and how really it morphed into Western swing, and Western swing then morphed into country. It all has its roots, though, in, in bluegrass. And people hear bluegrass, they think the Beverly Hillbillies, they think, um, you know, distillery fights and things like that. It's not. It's a... It's a kind of music that gets to the essence of what America is all about. And it, too has morphed throughout time. There's a, a, a guy who's going to be in concert here in Cincinnati at the end of next week. He was part of a group called the Punch Brothers, and they really and truly have kicked out some really, really good music over the course of the last 15 to 20 years, and now Noam Pekilny has branched out himself. He not only has solo albums out. I think he, his first solo album might have been out about 10, 12 years ago. He actually has a new one out where he sings. He's got a great baritone voice. And uh, I wanted to get him on the show today so we could talk about that and also talk about his new album and talk about coming back to Cincinnati where he's been in and out of for a lot of his uh, career. And uh, like I say, he will be in town this coming Saturday night live at the Ludlow Garage playing, among other songs, I would hope, this. So let's welcome to News Radio 700 WLW, Noam Pekilny. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to being back in Cincinnati. Once I had an old banjo, it was strung with twine. The only song that I could sing was Trouble on My Mind, Boys, Trouble on My Mind. Trouble on My Mind, Boys, Trouble on My Mind. So now you're, you're a young guy growing up in Chicago. I would not call Chicago the bluegrass capital of America. 
But you gravitated to the yeah. How did but you gravitated to the to the banjo? Why the banjo? Well, my brother um, saw a bluegrass band play um, at his school when he was about ten years old. They had a rotating arts program where they bring in different styles of music, and he saw a bluegrass band play, and he became interested in the mandolin, and he started taking mandolin lessons. And after a couple of years, I became jealous of his hobby and and. At age nine, I felt like I wasn't amounting to anything and that I didn't want to waste my life, and so I decided to pursue the banjo. And I started taking lessons while he was taking lessons. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't because there was some uh, crystallized moment where I heard the banjo on the radio and thought, oh, that's the sound. I, I really just wanted to learn an instrument and was eager to pick something up. My parents thought, well, how about the banjo? <laughs> then, you, then you and your brother could play music with each other as opposed to if I you know, learned the two. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to Lynchburg to fetch me a bottle of gin. They hitched me to that whipping post. They gave me hell again, boys. Gave me hell again. Gave me hell again, boys. Gave me hell again. If I've got my math straight, uh, this 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 album that just came out, Universal Favorite, is your fourth as a quote unquote solo artist. Am I right there on the math? About because I think your first was about ten, twelve years ago. Yeah, you you've nailed it. Um, this is the, the fourth solo album, but this is the first album I can legally refer to as a solo album because um, although the other ones um, have my name on the cover, there there are full bands on, on each one of those records, and this record is, is just me on, on all of the uh, all of the tracks without any band uh, or backup or overdubbing. And so this is the fourth solo record, and as you alluded to, there's been, uh, you know, it's four records over 10 or 12 years, and I've prim- primarily been uh, focused on, on Punch Brothers over the last decade. That's been kind of the main project for all of us in the band. And so I would make uh, I'd make the solo albums when time would permit, when we'd have a little bit of a lull in our schedule, and I would, you know, there eventually would be obvious yeah. that it was time to go back and, and milk the instrumental banjo cash cow <laughs> and solo well, album. Well, it, so. would lead, it would lead to the obvious question that if you, you're on this album as a solo artist and you play all the instruments, how do you tour? Well, I, <laughs> I'm touring in the exact same way. I tour, I tour very easily. All I need is, uh, you know, I need my banjo and maybe a guitar and, and uh, hopefully a couple people in the audience. And so it's, it's very portable now. Um, it, you know, it's different. It's a different uh, concert experience. The, the solo show is, you know, it's definitely more of a uh, listening room kind of experience versus, you know, a large rock club yeah. that, you know, Punch Brothers could go into at, at times. It seems trouble on my mind, boys, trouble on my mind, trouble on my mind, boys, trouble on my mind, trouble on my mind, boys, trouble on my mind.
Well, and it's truly a solo album because for the first time, I think, in the history of your recorded music, you sing, right? I mean, you just have just, whether by design or or by happenstance, you never really got to sing, but you sing on this album, and you have a very rich baritone voice. I, I'm surprised that you haven't done this before. Um, well, it's just, it's never been my, my main focus. I've, I've been so lucky to be in bands with um, some of the world's greatest singers, you know, whether um playing with John Callen from Newgrass Revival or, or Chris Dealey and Punch Brothers. I've gotten to, to, to play right there beside some of the world's greatest singers. And I've always loved playing vocal music, you mm-hmm. know, supporting the singer and supporting the song. That's uh, such a huge part of my musical being. And when I started putting the concept to this reg- record together for Universal Fa- Favorite, it initially was, was more banjo-focused, and I wanted to really show what the banjo was capable of in a um, real intimate setting. Mm-hmm. The banjo is, is typically thought of as a fairly you know, tinny or, or staccato instrument where the, the notes die away real quickly, and yeah. you know, people associate the sound of the banjo as, as the soundtrack to a car chase. But the banjo can be so much more, and some of those uh, elements of the banjo really just don't translate when you have four or five instruments kind of competing for yeah. sonic landscape. Lewis Collins took a trip out west When he returned, little dear, you'd gone to rest The angels laid her away Lewis said to Delia, that's the sad thing with life There's people always leaving just as other folks arrive the angels laid her away. Noam Pekelny's our guest. Uh, you may remember him with the Punch Brothers now out. Big uh, new album just has dropped. Universal favorite. He'll be at the Ludlow Garage on uh, this coming Saturday, March the 18th. Um, the album's terrific. I, I really think your treatment of the John Ritter, Josh Ritter song, uh, Folk Bloodbath, is just absolutely dead on and, and, and on chart. I, I'm just wondering... As you set off on this project, was there a specific route that you wanted to take? Did you want to, for example, um, uh, do a song like Ritter's? Did you want to do your own stuff? Where did you Where did you see all of that kind of coming together? Well, um, I uh, I've always loved music that had maybe a, a faint trail of breadcrumbs that kind of uh, allowed the listener to, to trace back um, the roots and the influences. The that's something I've always really gravitated towards in music is, is music that's so well informed that it's something new. But if you peel back the layers, you see that trail of breadcrumbs to see like the influence of Earl Scruggs. And you see that he's part of a, a long line of these musicians. I've always really loved that um, an element in music. And I feel like the Josh Ritter song um, is a song that does that uh kind of accomplishes that in a very explicit way that that josh ritter song is a mashup of three old kind of folk blues songs mm-hmm. of where all these characters essentially met their demise independently in the original songs mm-hmm. and josh mashed them up as if they they all kind of crossed paths and the stories were intertwined the angels laid them away the angels laid them away yes the we can't wait to see you Saturday night at the uh, Ludlow Garage. And uh, 
I'll tell you what, uh, Noam, your your music is just terrific, and we really appreciate your time here on News Radio 700 WLW. Noam Pekelny, uh, you got to get to see this dude next Saturday night at the Ludlow Garage. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. Steve Martin, who is a um, obviously a, a comedian of great note, also a banjo player, uh, hands out an award every year to the best banjo player that he's heard. And uh, Bikilny got fifty grand from uh, Steve Martin back in two thousand and ten at the Ludlow Garage this coming Saturday night. And uh, if you listen to his music, and you don't necessarily have to be a fan of his music to appreciate it. It is really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. 749-7000, the big one. Pound 700 on AT&T. It's Sunday mornings. It's you and me, and we continue next on News Radio 700 WLW. News Radio 700 WLW, welcome back. Ken Brew, as always, proud to be with you on these Sunday mornings. I want to wish a happy 69th birthday today. Could he be 69? Really? James Taylor. Just yesterday morning. They let me know you were gone. Great piece of music written by Taylor, produced by Since Peter Asher, who, uh, together with Gordon Waller, had a big hit back in the 60s as Peter and Gordon. And uh, the album was Sweet Baby James, Carol King on piano, yeah. Randy Meisner, pre Eagles, on bass guitar. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Suzanne, the uh, girl in the lyrics, was a former girlfriend of Taylor's and someone who committed suicide while they were both in drug treatment. Uh, in fact, I saw this maybe two or three weeks ago. They were doing a thing on uh, 60s pop music, and they mentioned James Taylor really had a wicked drug problem until about 1986. But uh, for the last 30 or so years, has been clean and uh, sober. Five Grammys, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the year 2000. It, by the way, you know, people want to know, how do you know so much about music? And the, one of the things I do is I, I'm a voracious reader about music. And there is a phenomenal book that's been out for about seven or eight years. Uh, it's a book called 1970, Fire and Rain. The author's name is David Brown, and it's... The lost story of the years, the lost stories of the years, uh, 1969 and 1970, and uh, just some of the things that were cascading together: James Taylor, the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, and just all of the uh, the things that were going on in their careers and their lives that led to some of the greatest music that was ever recorded. Now you can get it for Kindle and iPads and all that now. 1970, Fire and Rain is uh, the name of the book by the author David Brown. But 69 years ago today, James Taylor came upon this earth. Three-chord structure was never the same after. Uh, Sunny today, high near 39. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low around 25. And then rain comes in tomorrow after 4 o'clock. High near 44 tomorrow. And then maybe some snow on Tuesday. Maybe in the morning, chance of snow, they say, between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. That's a big swath for snow. But they say less than a half inch is possible. Uh, right now, we are at 24 at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station News Radio 700 WLW. By the way, programming note, we will have the UC-SMU game here on 700 WLW. That is a 315 tip-off. 
Sterling and Mark Blazer are in here at noon to take you right up until tip-off. If you're looking for the Reds, they're on Fox 1360. It's a 4.05 first pitch. Remember now, daylight saving time. It's an hour later. Big storyline out there today, Bronson Arroyo will be on the mound for the Reds to make his first spring training appearance in his quest to come back as a 40-year-old. So uh, there you go. That's what's going on here program-wise today on News Radio 700 WLW and elsewhere. Haven't been to the phones in a while. Let's go to Madeira. Here is Greg standing by. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. How you doing? All right, Greg. Well, look, I mean, hey, you put the down the head for the Bengals this week. It's been not a good week for them, you know. Yeah. My question to you is, I mean, why would the why do they just sit around? They what, what, what I just never understood when Whitworth left, they didn't even try to sign Zeitler back. I understand they don't value guards, but sheesh, I mean, that's one of your the, the best guards in the league. I just don't get this. Well, but here's the deal, and and, and uh, I I can only I can only suggest this: Zeitler was getting thirty one million guaranteed from the Browns, sixty million dollar total deal. I just don't think the Bengals are willing to pay that kind of money for a guard. I don't think there are a lot of teams that would pay that kind of money for a guard. I wasn't so upset with Zeitler as I was with Whitworth. Because you're talking about Andy Dalton's rear end, right? I mean, that's that's what a left tackle protects. And there's nobody in this town, and I will guarantee you there is nobody down there at Paul Brown Stadium that will say with any definity that they can slide Cedric Oboye in there and everything will be just the same as it was with Whitworth. There's nobody that will make that statement. Absolutely. absolutely. That's what just scares me the most with Oboehe. You know, I heard Dave Lapham say he's got all the tools, but it's the mental side of and him. And that's a problem because there are a lot yeah. of people with the, with the physical tools that can't figure it out. And, exactly. and I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm saying it, the, the issue isn't that Whitworth and Zeitler walked. The issue is they didn't have slam dunk replacements for these guys in waiting they hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What they did, but they don't, at least so far. I got to run, Greg, because I'm up against the clock. I would not have spent that kind of money for Kevin Zeitler. Nice guy. It's obvious. He just wanted the dough. Word is, he didn't even visit with Cleveland. He didn't even go there. He just said, who's paying the most money? And he went. Well, all right, if that's what your motivation is, great. Go for it. But to lose Andrew Whitworth, who was the epicenter of that locker room, who was the team leader. I don't want to hear about Andy Dalton's got the baton now and A.J. Green's got the baton. That was your guy. Oh, oh, and by the way, Tell me how many left tackles in the NFL that have been better over the last three to five years than Andrew Whitworth. It's a short list. There may only be one. More NCAA tournament talk next on News Radio 700 WLW.
Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. It's coming up on 1036 on this Sunday morning, and good morning. Sunday morning sports talk right till noon here on 700 WLW. So, okay, um, I mean, these these projections for Selection Sunday are all over the map. Jerry Palm at CBSSports.com has Cincinnati a four seed. Uh, we've seen them as a five seed in uh, Joe Lenardi's bracket. And uh, we have um, seen them as a six seed. In Shelby Mast's BracketWag.com. Shelby was on with us about an hour ago. He is the bracketologist for um, USA Today, among other places. Somebody that knows basketball inside out. We have him on several times during the year because he just knows the game. He coached the game. Now he's got a great place for you to go for all things basketball, and that's the old coach. Frank Jesse joins us on 700 WLW. Frank, good morning. Hi, Ken. How are you doing this morning? I'm okay. I see UC is a six, UC is a five, Palm has him as a four. Where do you see UC at this point in terms of seating? I'll tell you what, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, UC and, and SMU are, 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 are tied for the lead in the, in the American, and they play today for the conference championship. And uh, in, in looking over some of those uh, pro- projections, UC is... Uh, is uh, a higher seed than SMU, and they obviously split during the regular season. Uh, And uh, SMU is favored in the game today, so I I guess I don't understand how how, um, uh, UC at uh, being ranked 15th right now can can get a a better seed than SMU that's number 12, but that's probably because of uh, UC's big big win uh, uh, over Iowa State. I would guess that's that's the difference. Well, the thing, too, about if you're a six seed, right, if you're a six seed, you're playing a much more difficult game in round two. You're going up against a three seed as opposed right. to if you're a five or a four, you're going to play a four or five. It, I, I think, I think it, that's where the problem comes in because if, if you're a four or five and let's say you're playing, for example, West Virginia, which mm-hmm. I would never suggest anyone to play, that's mm-hmm. – Despite what happened last night, they're a pretty darn good basketball team. Uh, you know, you're going up then against uh, a, 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 perhaps a, a Baylor in round two right. or UCLA in round two. I just, I just think it's not so much whether you're a four or five, but then if you if you fall down to six, that's where the, the rough the, the rough road is, isn't it? Absolutely, that makes it tougher. That's why these teams are jockeying position on on the seating lines. And uh, uh, you alluded to the fact that in, in uh, Joe Lenardi's projections, he has uh, he has Cincinnati a five uh, playing Vermont uh, in in Buffalo, and in in the uh, uh, bracket right beneath them, he has West Virginia playing Princeton. So uh, you know, if things go according to Hoyle, you're going to have Cincinnati and West Virginia, which uh, which is, is is rather interesting with the Bob Huggins connection and after some of the comments that uh, UC coach McCronin made this past week. Yeah, it, it, it would be interesting, and I think they ought to bring a stool out for Huggins uh, to sit on <laughs> and bring one out for Cronin to sit on. Oh, there uh, you go. Yeah, but let's uh, – so, okay, so UC heading into this tournament, 
Uh, they were not really, you know, I'm sorry, the American Conference just is not a good conference this year. Their only tests really were against SMU. Uh, Houston gave them a test. Memphis gave them a scare. But the fact of the matter is they haven't really been tested this year. Where do you see them in terms of, of not having that kind of test, but yet knowing that they play well defensively and can rebound? I would put uh, Cincinnati and, and SMU really in a, in a, a position of spoilers. Uh, they've sort of been under the radar, and those are both very good teams and uh, uh, certainly are capable of knocking off anybody. That's what's uh, so interesting about the tournament because anything can happen from, from one day to the next, and you just never know. That's why, uh, you know, I love it. It's, it's, to, to me, it's the best sporting event we have in the United States because it lasts three weeks, and uh, – you know, so many people in the country are involved with it. You, you either live close to, to some school that's in it, or you went to a school, or you have relatives that went to a school. And it, uh, uh, to, to me, it's just, uh, it, it's just three great weeks of, uh, of sports fun. I think their guards are, are good. I think Cincinnati's guards are good. It's a guard tournament. <clears throat> I think inside, Frank, I think really and truly, uh, Gary Clark is going to be a problem for anybody that they face. Kyle Washington has had a nice year, but Clark, uh, to me, I look at him and what he's done this year. Some games he disappears, I get that, but I think if he brings his game, that's going to be a real matchup problem for a lot of teams. Absolutely, and uh, Washington makes uh, makes Gary Clark better. People have to have to worry about where where Washington is and Clark. Uh, 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 what do you have, like 25 uh, yeah. points last night? So, you know, he, he's, he, he has to be uh, uh, dealt with by other teams. I mean, he's uh, uh, a real threat. And, of course, you know, Cincinnati's guards are very good. And uh, uh, it should be very interesting to see what happens. Frank Jesse is our, co- our, our guest. The former coach has a uh, terrific website and newsletter. It's uh, Basketball Links. And, again, I ask you this all the time, but I, I want to make sure we get it out here now. Uh, somebody that maybe is not familiar with your 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 efforts here, you collate all these all these great basketball articles at one destination, and tonight would be a great place for anyone uh, that's got an interest in this thing to go. How do they find that, Frank? The, the, thanks for mentioning it. The best way to find it is just Google Basketball Links Newsletter, and uh, there's a place on there to. Uh, to sign up for it. you can get it uh, by email each week and it's uh, it's a uh, uh, blind copy so you don't have to worry about anybody else getting your email it usually comes out on uh, the information is on there but it, uh, a new edition comes out Wednesday morning this week I'll have it out Tuesday at noon because of the uh, because of this being selection Sunday and so mm-hmm. many people wanting to get in those office practicals right right now would you rather be coaching a team that is playing well at this time of the year or a team that has more talent but perhaps is just not on its game? I'll tell you what, that's a tough one. You always want to coach a team that's playing well, and uh, uh, that, that's what's a, a little bit interesting about this tournament. You, you know, you have the teams that have been uh, been ranked high throughout the, the course of the year, but the, the big shadow over the tournament right now, as you know, is Duke. Is uh, you know they're they're very talented. They've had a number of problems throughout the year mm-hmm. uh, with injuries and with Coach K being gone. But uh, Duke is playing just super right now. They were the uh, I, I guess the first team in ACC history to win four straight games to win that conference tournament. So uh, Duke has to be reckoned with. Uh, uh, give me the team that's playing well. Uh, you know uh, Hubie Brown, who 
you know, I think is probably the best analyst in the in the country. I used to tell his team when he was coaching, uh, you know, if you if you see the word potential or hear me say the word potential in the same sentence with your name, you can plan on being cut <laughs> or put on waivers within 24 hours. Right. Well, I raise that question because Xavier is playing really well, and I think they've figured things out. They've kind of morphed from what they were with Sumner. Uh, they're they're playing uh, more of a half-court game. They can still get out of transition, but I, I look at what Mack has done with that team after he lost Sumner, and for, for all intents and purposes, Trayvon Blewett has been on one ankle for the last six weeks. They're playing really well. They had a, they, they had a huge surprise over Butler. Uh, the only team they could beat before then was DePaul. I just sense that maybe something fell into gear with them in that Butler game. Do you think, and most most of these brackets have them in 11, and again, there's that dreaded 11-6 matchup. Mm-hmm. Do you think, with the way they're playing now, they have a chance to do anything in March? Uh, you always have a chance. I mean, a good chance, Coach. I mean, yeah. real, you know, a realistic chance. Uh, I'll tell you what, they'd be matched up against some pretty good people. Wisconsin would be probably a six, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be matched up with Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin was uh, down in the dumps for a few weeks. They're playing well. They're an, they're an unbelievable defensive team. Uh, who would be another six? SMU could, SMU's could, be, SMU, could be a six. St. Mary's, St. Mary's out yeah. of California. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough. Um, uh, Trevon Blewett and, and uh, J.P. Uh, uh, have done a good job, but it, it, it might be tough for them to, to get past the first weekend. And if you're NKU, and they've written one of the great stories, I think, of, of this season, not just here in the Tri-State, but, but all over the country. I, John Brannon has got that, that, that team back on its feet. I'm just wondering, are you really looking forward to meeting Kentucky in round one? Or today, would you be wanting to root for certain circumstances where you could get out of that 15 seed and get to 14 and maybe have a puncher's chance? I, I think I may... I may say, you know, Kentucky's great, but let me see if I can't just somehow, some way, get up to 14. Wouldn't you think that would be a wise thing for them to do? Absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and looking at the, the latest projections, uh, the both, both Lenardi and, and Jeff Palm have them at a 14. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it makes a whole lot of difference to play Florida State rather than play Kentucky or Arizona or Baylor or one of those teams. But uh, as you mentioned, NKU is just a great story. Uh, uh, regionally it is. But uh, nationally, this is, as you as you well know, and most of the listeners, this is NKU's first year of eligibility to go to the NCAA tournament, and and they made it. And you take some teams that uh, have been around like Northwestern since uh, since 1939, and this is going to be their very first trip to the Big Dance. So uh, NKU got there a little quicker than yeah. than, than some uh, some of the bigger schools. Yeah. Uh, Levon Holland is is just terrific. Um, the McDonald kid plays hard for them. I just I look at what they've done, and um, uh, they're a player now. And I think that uh, you know UC is going to play their their home games over there next year. I think mm-hmm. part of the deal is UC is going to schedule NKU, so they've they, you know they've got that on the docket. Um, that's a everybody knew that was a really good job when it opened up when Brandon got that job because obviously the rich basketball tradition in Kentucky, but also this is kind of a treasure trove here of of. of of basketball talent, and not everybody can go play at UC. Not everybody can play at Xavier. Not everybody can play at Indiana. Uh, there are enough kids from this area that you can establish a base if you're northern Kentucky. You couple that with that arena, 
Um, that's that, that everything just kind of fell into place for John Brennan, did it not? Yeah, and he he's done an outstanding job. Local guy, obviously, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, NKU has the new arena. Uh, you need to go back a ways, but they they have have pretty good basketball tradition. They oh, had those Kenny Shields, yeah, with Kenny Kenny Shields yeah, in yeah. Division Two, and and uh, uh, with 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 NKU getting in the tournament, this is this is when you have to take advantage of this as far as your recruiting, um, because people will will know about NKU. It, it's much easier to sell your your program to a kid when when they know you've been to the NCAA tournament than uh, than not. Coach, it's always good catching up with you. Frank Jesse, former UC assistant coach, coached a lot of other places too, and now has his uh, basketball links where you ought to go, like right now, and check it out. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Have a good day. I will. Because I woke up this morning and both my feet hit the ground. And that's a win. And then all you got to say is how big you want to win today. But those feet got to hit the ground first. 1048 on this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning sports talk. It's you and me on News Radio 700 WLW. It's a little wild for Sunday morning there. It's, it's like Saturday night music. But I kind of like it. Coming up on 1053. After the news at the top of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Joe Gagliano. Point-shaving scandals in college basketball, I mean, historically, uh, have been a problem. Back into the 40s and 50s, in through the 70s, and uh, in the case of Gagliano, the nineteen mid-1990s Arizona State team, and one player by the name of Stephen Headache Smith, and uh, how it all uh, came to pass that Gagliano could pull this off. Point shaving, I mean, I, I think if you know basketball, you know what point shaving is. If you don't, basically what it is 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 getting to a player or getting to a coach or somebody involved with a, a team and having them massage the outcome of the game. In other words, if the line was Arizona State minus 12.5, they were giving the other team 12.5 points. You had to massage that line so Arizona State would cover. If it was Arizona State plus eight and a half, you had to massage that line, so you being the, the players and the coaches involved, so that the gamblers could collect in Vegas or wherever else they were betting legally or, un, or illegally. And uh, obviously that gets to the integrity of the game, and obviously that gets to a point where a lot of schools got caught up, particularly and we know about it out here in this area of the country, particularly back in the early 1950s. Well, anyway, it happened in the mid-90s at Arizona State, and the guy that was at the epicenter of it was Joe Gagliano. And he's going to join me next to talk about what happened then and whether or not it could be going on even today, and we don't know it. Joe Gagliano joins me next. On News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. So it's Selection Sunday, and 
Uh, I guess in about uh, six or seven hours, we'll know who's going where, doing what, what seed, and times and venues of games. It's that day every year that basketball fans wait for. College basketball is uh, an all-consuming sport. We really and truly get wrapped up in it just to see if our team can somehow, some way, make a deep run in March. There was a time in college basketball when it was more infamous than famous. Back in the late 40s and early 50s, there was a huge point-shaving scandal involving mostly teams from the New York City area, but extending out through the Midwest and the South into the University of Kentucky, where they had to suspend one full season of basketball because of it. And then in the late 70s, huge point-shaving scandal involving Henry Hill. Henry Hill who was immortalized forever in the movie Goodfellas. Henry Hill, who uh, somehow, someway got to the Boston College basketball team to manipulate the line, to shave points so that it would come under the number that the betters had to cover, to cash in big in places like Vegas and elsewhere. And then in the mid-'90s, it hit Arizona State University, led amazingly by my next guest, Joe Gagliano, who's been a guest of the state several times, wrote a book while in prison called No Gray Areas, the inside story of the largest point-shaving scandal in history and the consequences thereafter. He, among others, got to the Arizona State basketball team, in particular to one player by the name of Stephen Headache Smith. His book has been out for a while, but he hasn't been out of jail for a while so i wanted to get him on as soon as uh, he became a free man and he is on this sunday to talk on selection sunday about his role in what became a very infamous time in college basketball please welcome now to 700 wlw joe gagliano joe good morning thanks for joining us hey good morning to you thank you for having me is it safe to say that you've led a colorful life that's a that's a word I haven't heard in a while, but uh, yeah, that is more than safe to say. It's been it's been one crazy journey, that's for sure. Let's go back to the early or mid '90s, and you're at the Chicago Board of Trade, and you're doing pretty well, and you're you got a few few games going on the side, but by and large, life is going good. You probably, if someone asked you, tell me who Stephen Headache Smith is, you probably would have looked at him with a blank stare. You would not have known, correct? Yeah, I mean, I was into sports and I followed sports, but you know, I was in I was in the Midwest in Chicago and Headache Smith and the ASU programs on the West Coast and Pac-10 basketball at that time wasn't really a a big thing to follow. So, no, you're probably spot on on that. I probably wouldn't have known or really wouldn't have cared. You had though a, and I'm trying to reconstruct the story here. You had a, a brother that went to Arizona State, right? Yes, that, he, that's correct, and that's. That's really how the whole ASU thing started. I was, as you referenced already, I was at the Chicago Board of Trade making a few bucks at a young age. And, you know, we're all products of our environment. And that environment at the Board of Trade was, you know, real conducive to embracing the gray areas. Um, you, you really don't see honest, ethical traders uh, or honest, ethical, successful traders. Um Everyone down there that's doing well, that's that's that at a young age I emulated and looked up to, was pretty much 
embracing the gray areas. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I learned to accept as my quote-unquote norm at a young age. And so your brother is out in Tempe at Arizona State, and there's distress out there. There's a basketball player that is in need of money, and through various connections, you get to participate in a scheme that had him shave points off games, not necessarily throw games, but get games to a number where it would be a place where you could place a bet, in your case, millions of dollars of bets, and come away with a profit. This is this is basically what it was, but it all starts with a basketball player in distress. Yeah, that's how it all started. Is right. My brother lived next door to a bookmaker on campus. He just kind of catered to a bunch of college kids as his clientele, and and one of the kids he had as a customer was was Stevan Headache Smith. And you know, Stevan got stuck for twenty five to thirty thousand dollars during the football season. Had really no way to pay it. He paid some of it off, but had no way to pay the rest of it. And so, you know, that's how the plan was kind of hatched to put the pressure on them and say, okay, hey, you could pay off your debt and make a few bucks in the process if you you don't have to lose these games. Just don't win by more than I tell you to win by. That was really how everything happened. Were were you surprised how easy it was? Uh, Because it seems like a complicated process, but it basically was supply and demand. You had the supply, you had the money, they had the demand, they had the need. But were you surprised that the scheme could be so easily uh, executed? Well, I'll tell you what, absolutely shocked is more than is, is more like a better word uh, because the ease of how it all happened, the ease of how it all went down and landed exactly on the numbers that I needed it to land on, um, you know, I can tell you candidly going into it, I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell that that this kid could make the game land on a number that I asked him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, ASU was a 13, 13-and-a-half point favorite at home the first game against Oregon State. You know, I talked to Headache many times and talked to him that day uh, right after the shoot-around, mm-hmm. uh, probably around noon or 1 o'clock, and, and uh, told him the game had to land on 6. And the only reason I told him 6 was I figured, man, there's no way this guy's going to be able to land it on at six, if the line's thirteen, and I'm getting the bulk of my action off around eleven or twelve. Six will give me a four point cushion if this guy, mar- you know, has a quote unquote margin of error. So, but I'll tell you what: watching the game and and seeing how it played out, ASU was easily a twenty point better team mm-hmm. than Oregon State that day. And watching how it played out, watching how somebody that handles and dominates and dictates the tempo and the tone of the game could manipulate the outcome. It was just incredible. But, you know, I'll I'll say this, too. Most people think of point shaving as an offensive performance. It's not. Point shaving is being able to allow the player that you're defending to do what he wants to do when he needs to do it. So if you're guarding somebody defensively and you're able to guard and and back off an extra two or uh, two feet, to allow that player to do what he wants to do, take a more open shot or to pass the ball to whom he wants to pass it to, I mean, that's really how you're going to dictate how the game's going to end and and where the point spread's going to be. It might be a bricked free throw down the stretch. Mm-hmm. It might be a a selective turnover in, in the weaning minutes of the game. It might be you're going to brick a, a shot here or there. But really, throughout the course of the game, to allow the player that you're defending to do what he wants to do is really how it's done. 
Um, you did this, I believe, four times. Um, Correct. And you were traveling back and forth from Vegas with millions of dollars in a duffel bag, clutching it in on an airplane. And then um, you got caught, and you got caught in the most inexplicable way. But when you think about it, um, you were dealing with people that had other things going on, one of which, it turns out, your friend's your brother's friend had a friend who was involved in in drugs and all of Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of a sudden, you got the feds knocking on your door. What? I suppose the, the lesson here, and it, it's probably in the title itself, no gray areas, is that few things that you try to do that are not legal, few things are done that aren't black and white, correct? Boy, it's always going to come back and haunt you. I mean, you're, you're again, you're spot on, and I really appreciate your thorough read of the book. It sounds like you, you read every chapter and I you did. got the details down. Yeah. And, you know, that's great to hear. But, yeah, it, it, you know, karma and, and when you're dancing on the wrong side and, and, and playing in the gray areas, man, it's going to come back and get you. And that's really what the whole tone and the takeaway is from the book. I mean, it's been very, very well-reviewed. I think there's five or 600 reviews up there online throughout the, throughout the Internet. And I've heard some great comments. People have reached out to me personally. And, and the takeaway, you know, there's 24, 25 chapters in the book, and nine of them are about the ASU thing. And mm. I get it. I get that it's the hook. I get this. It's the sizzle behind everything. People want to know how much money was involved and how we paid the players and how much I bribed the yeah, players and but, how much I carried back and forth with me. I, but, I get all that. Yeah, but, stuff, this, but was, really, this was a lesson that was difficult for you to learn because you had other schemes going on. You had a car wash and a, a convenience store scheme. It was always kind of like you weren't learning from your past mistakes, but eventually you did. And I think that's that's the lesson here, that it's never too late to learn. Well, well, that's exactly it. And, and, and the lesson that I really tried to I tried to bring home in the book is that there's a consequence for all our choices, and we may think our choice we may think our choice is innocent at the time, but I mean, if you're drifting in the gray area, if you're if you're questioning and compromising your integrity, and if you get a little bit off center, you know, two, three, five, ten years down the road, if you're a little bit off center, it's really next to flipping impossible to get yeah. back to center again. Yeah. Chatting with Joe Gagliano, his book, No Gray Areas, the inside story of the largest point-shaving scandal in the history of basketball and the consequences thereafter. Can you watch a basketball game in this day and age, Joe, and say to yourself, you know what, I wonder if there's something shady going on here? Yeah, I can. I can. I mean, the numbers, I still follow betting lines quite a bit, and I still follow how games actually flow. Um, you know, my personal opinion, it's, it's really going to be tough to – to duplicate uh, anything that I did back in the ASU days, back in '93-'94, um, fixing a team sport nowadays has got to be next to next to impossible. It, it, you look at basketball, you look at these the superstar athletes in college. These kids are one year and done, two years at the most and done, and they're off. They're off to the NBA. They're off trying to make a buck, and and they're playing for their NBA draft slot. 
look at it's next to impossible to fix a football game. You got twenty two players on the field. You know, even if you had the quarterback and you threw a couple picks in the first half, you're probably going to get yanked. Yeah. Um, individual sports are a whole different story. I mean, I'm firmly be- firmly believe still that sports like tennis, sports like MMA, uh, you know, I think UFC is the, one of the most corrupt things out there. Not because there's not integrity in the sport, and I'm sure there's a lot of athletes inside that sport that have integrity and do the right thing, but you, you break it down like this. These kids are 20, 22, 25, 30 years old. Their career in that business is, you know, five years max, and they're getting their brains beat in, and they're hardly making any money. Mm-hmm. And I say hardly get, making any money because to, to guys like you and I, to make a couple million bucks on a fight, if you're the upper-tier fighter, is a heck of a payday. Mm-hmm. But when you, back, you know, when you back out taxes, travel, training, there's not a heck of a lot left at the end of the day. But yet what happens is you put a betting line on these guys. You put a betting line on them, it overly incentivizes them to go to the dark side because it's it's so it's such low, low-hanging fruit. You look at a kid like Anderson Silva. You look at a kid like Anderson Silva who was com- constantly complaining with Dana White about his contract and being the face of the UFC but never getting paid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's complaining and whining about it, and then he goes off against Chris, against Chris Weidman four or five fights ago, and he's a 14-to-1 favorite. Now I'm telling you, if I'm Anderson Silva, yeah. and I know I'm the one bringing in all these dollars for the UFC, yeah. and I know I'm a 14-to-1 favorite, and I'm only making $2 million for being the face of the UFC, and pay-per-view dollars are in the hundreds of millions, I'm sending three or four of my boys that I grew up with in Brazil to <laughs> Australia yeah. or to offshore yeah. with a half a million bucks, and I'm collecting 10-to-1 on my money. Yeah. Yeah. Tax free. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get caught in a chokehold, and the rematch is going to be worth even more for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 easy to it, it's easy to see how people. But again, it all goes back to to you've got to have demand, and the demand is someplace where there is stress, and it 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 could be anywhere. I think you're right. I think the individual sports are a lot easier to do. You mentioned hockey is easy is would be an easy sport because all you got to do is get a goaltender, let in three or four soft ones, and all of a sudden the whole game changes. I I, I, I'm not suggesting, and I'm sure you're not, that any of this is going on. It's just that if you really wanted to, you could see where it could happen. Well, you know, I don't want to make the suggestion or the inference. I am going to make the inference that it's that, that it's not going on, and I don't want to press on it too hard because yeah. I want to believe in the inherent integrity of sports. But I'll also tell you this, and I'll tell you this candidly, man. Anytime you're going to put and link personal performance to monetary rewards, there is going to be corruption, and if you and if you can't acknowledge that, or if someone can't acknowledge that, then they're just living with blinders, because yeah, yeah. that's just how it happens. So you know, same thing with with FanDuel and DraftKings. I mean, you've got owners of these leagues, and you've got owners of these 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 franchises that publicly denounce gambling. They say it's the worst thing in the world for their sports. But yet, privately, they embrace the heck out of it because it's putting more eyeballs yeah. on their product at oh, the end of the day. I agree 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's, so you look at the insider trading, so to speak, and the corruption that's involved in FanDuel and DraftKings. If I'm a water boy or, or a trainer in a locker room and I know that one of my players 
just got into an argument with his wife and his head's not right or he's got a nagging ankle injury. And I could take that inside information and I could bet on it by selecting or not selecting this guy to do well in fantasy football or, or DraftKings or FanDuel, and I could make money off that, that's insider trading. If I'm on the board of a publicly traded company and I, and I hear that my stock's going to have a bad press release and I go out and trade that stock off that knowledge, sure. I'm indicted and yeah. I'm in prison. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, 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 you know, you're, but, uh, but you're a free man now. Again, no gray areas. It's the story behind the largest point shaving scandal in basketball history. It's out right now. Rebel Press, uh, Joseph N. Galliano is how it's, uh, pronounced or how it's, it's presented on the cover, but it's Joe Gagliano. He's our, uh, he's our guest here on 700 WLW. It's fascinating stuff. I'm glad life is better for you right now. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you so much for the time. I do appreciate it. Thank you. And Stevan Headache Smith who was at the center of this, uh, went to prison for a year and a day. And uh, I want to say that was back in uh, 1997 when all this unraveled. He did play in the NBA, got a, a couple of 10-day contracts, I believe, with the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, at last note, uh, Headache Smith, uh, the vice president of a program mentoring young people in the Dallas area. He uh, has three children Never played uh, past Arizona State to any great degree other than uh, a couple of tours in Europe. But uh, those of you that remember that, great book, No Gray Areas. Joe Gagliano, my guest, on 700 WLW on Selection Sunday. We'll continue next. More Bengals talk and the week that was on News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Does it always feel around here like it's rebuilding? It always feel that way. Are we going to remember 2011 to 2013, the halcyon days of the Reds and the Bengals, where both teams overlapped and had winning, when both teams overlapped and went to playoffs? It just feels that way. I've got some news out of the desert, out of Goodyear. Anthony DiSclefani who was projected to be the Reds' opening day pitcher, and then that kind of got sidetracked when he developed elbow soreness about eight or ten days ago. Now has developed more elbow soreness after throwing some bullpen session or something. And uh, Anthony DiSclefani has been scratched from his start tomorrow and um, is headed for an MRI. We just know what's coming next. Uh, I just got off the phone with Dave Armbrister, Yeti, who's uh, out in uh, Goodyear with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and that was the uh, sum and substance of our conversation. It would appear that uh, that his the start of his season is in jeopardy. So, again, I'm wondering, with a halcyon days around here, 2011 and 12, 13, it just makes you wonder, 
when placed in context with what happened with the Bengals this week. This is a this was a bad week for the Bengals. They can't spin it any other way. Bengal Bengal fans, I think, understand what's going on here. Aging players are cashing in on on paydays late in their career. They lost Domita Pecco last night to the Broncos. They lost Kevin Whit, uh, Kevin Zeitler and Andrew Whitworth earlier this week. The heart and soul of this team is is being torn apart, and it's not it's not to say that those that come in can't be the kinds of leaders that Pecco and Whitworth were. The two, think about that, Pecco and Whitworth. When, they, when, when there was the lockout back in 2011, right when this team started to get good, who were the two players that kept everything together and held off-season workouts and made sure that, that everyone stayed on the same page knowing full well, knowing full well, that Andy Dalton and A.J. Green were going to be rookies, needed to understand what everything was about. It was Domita Pecco. And Andrew Whitworth. When things really got lousy around that team, who did the media go to for someone to speak on behalf of the team? It was Andrew Whitworth and Domita Pecco. And they were real. And they said real things. They didn't talk coach speak. They didn't try and put you, the fan, down by saying, you know, complete nonsense that says nothing. You know who the players are that do that in any sport. They say absolutely nothing. They say they say nonsense. They they say what they've been told to say by management, and you never really get the real idea or the real story of what's going on. You, you you've heard that. You can listen. There are people in sports in this town that are experts on saying absolutely nothing to you through us, because that's what they're told to say. Whitworth wasn't like that. Pecco wasn't like that. And over and above being glue and being locker room guys, they were damn good. Andy Dalton got thrown on his rear end 41 times this year. He was sacked 41 times. Do you know how many sacks combined Whitworth and Zeitler gave up combined last year? One. Dalton was sacked 41 times, and the two guys that just left gave up a grand total of one. Now, I don't think they could have kept Zeitler. I think Kevin Zeitler had cash signs for eyeballs, and he was just going to go wherever the most money was. Hell, there's a story out there. He didn't even take a trip to Cleveland. He just said, show me the money. Well, okay, I get that. Sports in this day and age, it's a mercenary kind of a deal because the owner really has no loyalty to you he wants you at his price point as long as you can perform and past that he doesn't care about you not just the owner in this town any sports team owner Whitworth was a different story Whitworth had gas left in the tank he was one of the top three tackles in football and it appears that it was pennies on the dollar that kept the two apart I know it's easy to spend somebody else's money. Get that. Understand it. Got it. But this is a guy that wanted to be here. This is a guy that you needed. 
Because the real problem, the real problem that happened this week wasn't so much that Whitworth and Zeitler left. It isn't the real problem. The real problem is is they are not being replaced by the same kind of player. I don't know if Jake Fisher is ever going to be a great player here. He played in an offense in college that would lead you to believe that it wouldn't be an easy transition for him from there to here. He looked a little bit better at the end of last year than he did at the beginning of last year, and that's encouraging. The other guy miscast as a right tackle, and he struggled mightily. Maybe it was a bum knee, maybe it was a groin injury, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, whatever it was. It ain't working with the guy. So they move him to left tackle late in the season because in the back of their minds, they probably knew they weren't going to keep Andrew Whitworth. Do you honestly think Andy Dalton feels good? I mean, down deep, when he lays his red-haired, product-laden head on the pillow, do you think he feels good about this? I wouldn't. There's certain people in my life that work with me, that help me do better at what I do. These are people that really and truly aren't there to be in front of the camera or behind the microphone, but they work hard because they believe in the product and they believe in me. And if you rip one of those people away from me, I'm lost. I'm uncertain. Maybe it happens to you and your job. Andrew Whitworth should still be with this football team. The problem isn't that they left. The problem is what's left behind. Same deal as last year. Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones left. Sanu played on a Super Bowl team. Marvin Jones went to an offense. Learning curve was a little steep. Marvin Jones, when he was here, stretched the field. Created safety havoc. Enough distraction to make A.J. Green flourish. He was a great compliment. He left. Sanu left. And who replaced them? Tyler Boyd is a rookie. Could be good someday. Probably will be good, but we don't know. We know that the guy he replaced was pretty damn good. They signed Brandon LaFell. I keep hearing he's a great locker room guy, great teammate, does this, does that. You look at his stats last year, did pretty well. Did pretty well when he compared to what Jones did the year before. But you and I both know it didn't pass the eyeball test. Nice receiver, not the kind of guy that scares the other team's defensive coordinator. It's not so much what leaves, it's what you have to replace that player with. And you want to know why? You want to know why New England is as good as it is, and it's not all Tom Brady? It's because when a player leaves New England, there's somebody else right there, and there's usually very little drop-off. So my question to you is, are we always going to be in the rebuilding mode in this town? Because as I sit here today, and I hear what happened today with Di Sclafani. I saw what happened this week with the Bengals. I can't help but believe that the name of this town should not be the Queen City. It ought to be the rebuilding city because that's sure what it feels like. 749-7000. 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. Pound 700 on AT&T. In the precious time we have left, let's open the phones. 
and continue next on News Radio 700 WLW. I'm ready to get up and do my thing. Yeah. I want to get into it, man, you know. Yeah, I know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Woo. Moving, doing yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Can I count it off? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Hey. Woo. Get up. <laughs> you know it, Jim. You know why I'm playing this song. Oh, you don't know why I'm playing this song. I'm playing this song because on this date, 47 years ago, 47 years ago, today, the JBs were formed. You know who the JBs are, right? James Brown's backup band. His previous band, the Pacemakers, quit in a pay dispute. James Brown needed a backup band. Well, there were these guys that were just hanging out in the parking lot at King Records down here on Brewster Avenue. Brown yells out the door, hey, get in here. And these guys who were hanging out, well, they were pretty darn good. There's a guy named uh, Catfish Collins, a guy named J-Bo Starks, a guy named Bobby Bird. Guy named Bootsy Collins. And they went in the studio at King and became James Brown's backup band. Best backup band that James Brown ever had. Bird is gone now, as is Catfish Collins. Jabo Stark still plays at a club in Florida like four or five days a week. Of course, Bootsy very much alive and well and still a strong force of music. 47 years ago, today... The JBs went in the studio for the first time with the Godfather of Soul. And I just think it's important that we remember that. It said, I'm screaming, Jim. I'm screaming. Sunny, high near 39 today. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low around 25. Rain tomorrow after 4 o'clock, and then maybe some snow on Tuesday. Tomorrow's high should be 44. It is right now 28. 28 degrees at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700. WLW. By the way, the uh, Bengals, as we mentioned yesterday, and uh, had Joe Mixon in for a visit. Former uh, running back at Oklahoma, who unfortunately for him is best remembered as punching a female student in uh, in the face at some diner in Norman, Oklahoma. I was uh, kind of researching that that whole incident uh, last night. Apparently, the uh, female her name is Amelia Molitor filed a uh, civil lawsuit against Mixon. But part of it was thrown out because her lawyer filed the wrong lawsuit. It was a lawsuit for willful and wanton misconduct and um, uh, there were other claims, too, that she made in, in there. But it, the, the judge said, look, this is really assault and battery. And unfortunately for her, since the incident happened in 2014 and you have one year to refile, uh, she cannot refile the lawsuit. There's still, I think, a part or two of it that's going forward. Uh, in the uh, civil uh, civil case out there in uh, in Oklahoma, but uh, again, I I have no idea why the Bengals are interested in Joe Mixon. They don't they don't that that's not a need. We know what the need is. We saw it this week. We know what the need is. We saw it last season. But nevertheless, he was in for a visit yesterday. Uh, let's go to the phones. Dave is in Dayton. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey Ken, fantastic show today. Gives Thank you an A plus. Oh, and uh, nice. I, I I think um, I think the Bengals are taking a page out of the Reds playbook where they're they're trading away their most popular fan favorite players 
in with little in return. And you know, the ones that could be in the the future Ring of Honor that uh, Mike Brown's going to put up there one day. But you know, they also got rid of Pecco, which you know, fantastic. You know, heart and soul. I think of the defense. And um, you know, uh, and it's always for us fans. It's always like right around the corner, kicking the can down the road. Well, well you know, building for the future. Wait till next year. Well, mm-hmm. maybe 2019. You know, we're, we're almost there. We're almost yeah. there. You know, keep keep chasing that. And um, it's frustrating, you know, isn't it, Dave? And, it's and, just and frustrating. Blame, well, it's frustrating because you know it's all. Then it falls back on you know fiscal responsibility. But you know, great, they get an A, an A in franchise. You know, fiscal finance 101, but. For us fans, you know, we don't look at, well, we, you know, you got to, that's too expensive. You know, we can't pay Andrew Whitworth now, who wanted to be a Bengal lifer because it's costing us 15 mil, but he's got. So my solution, at least short term right now for the Bengals, I think they need to grab Nick Mangold, you know, try him out at center, maybe move Bodine to guard or, or try Mangold at a guard. At least you tell the fans, you know, with a seven-time all-pro guy that, you're going to try to short the yeah. line with a veteran yeah, but da- but, who knows. But, Dave, here's the deal, and thanks for calling it. Why wouldn't you just do that with Whitworth? What are you going to – I mean, Nick Mangold, I mean, okay, got it. You know, he's a center. They've had issues at center. Understand all of that. Why would you – why wouldn't you just pay Whitworth? As important as a center is, protecting your quarterback's rear end is the most important thing. Two most important players on a field offensively are the left tackle and the quarterback. Uh, I just I I wouldn't know why they wouldn't have just done that. And like Dave said, he wanted to be here. It just uh, it was not a good week for the Bengals. We'll see if they can resurrect it and make things better next week. We have selection Sunday today. I'm heading downtown for the latest in sports on uh, on Cincinnati's nine on your side tonight at six and eleven. Sports of all sorts tonight. Mister Basketball Steve Wolf and Terry Nelson join me to break down the uh, brackets. And that'll be at 11.35 tonight. Next, it's Sterling and Mark Blazer. You think Sterling creates problems? Now he's got a sidekick. You see basketball down the road after 3 o'clock today. And I'll see you right back here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on the home of your Cincinnati Reds News Radio, 700 WLW. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.